Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome CEO of Human Centered Healthcare, Steve Junian. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. Hey guys, this is the co-host, The Voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always are my good friends, Cole Szynski and Jeremy Machino. Uh, gentlemen, how are we? We're doing good. We, uh, we had a pretty awesome interview, I'm not going to lie. I, th- I, had a, I had a blast. I think you two had a blast too, and I, I mean, I'm ready to get right into it if you guys are. I'm jacked up. I mean, Nick, like, Nick's trying to contain his energy over there. I can see it. Everybody else can't see it because we're a podcast, and right, people can't see us, so we got to be... We got to be good radio, essentially, but I'm absolutely jacked up. Uh, Steve was fucking awesome. I'm just going to say that. Sorry, whoever's listening, if you didn't want to hear that word, but like straight up, I mean, there's wisdom upon wisdom. He's the oldest member, member of State Street we've ever had on this podcast. I think he takes pride in that. Um, and there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of really good advice. There's a lot of good lessons learned. Um, this is jam packed. This interview is jam packed with just good stuff from, from start to finish. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Cole. I think a lot of things you said were, were very accurate and just for the sake of our podcast, as we try to grow our brand and we try to keep doing what we love to do here, uh, Steve allowed us to, to increase some credibility. Um, it wasn't as if we were talking to someone that, you know, is our age that really doesn't know an incredible amount about the world. He, you know, has been on the earth 25 more years than we have. And he's seen some things and he's done some things. And you guys will find that Steve is an intense person. Uh, he does not like to mess around, but he also loves at a very deep level. And uh, he's actually my godfather. So a little bit of a kudos to him there. But uh, yeah, uh, without further ado, uh, Mr. Steve Junian and to all the gang on State Street, um, here we go. Steve, what's going on, man? Nick, it's been a hell of a day. Why do you say that? You know, um, I don't think I would ever want a job that everything ran smoothly. Uh, it's just not how I'm suited. I think we've talked about that, and that's probably why you, one of the reasons maybe you brought me on. I love being dropped into a situation. This is about going on three weeks ago. Actually, tomorrow will be three weeks where I don't have really any good understanding of the landscape, and you just have to dig and grind it out and learn and produce, you know? So the first week I was there, the team, I'm not saying I produced it, but the team basically produced four pretty high quality uh, deliverables and uh, it made a difference. Like the CEO emailed us that weekend and uh, and it wasn't perfect. Um, That's another thing. I I don't do perfect very well. I don't believe in perfect. Um, I have a a plaque. I'll show it to you later. But one of my clients sent me a, a plaque called the King of the Shitty First Draft. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, that's something that we talk about a lot in our work. I'm I'm kind of in the innovation disruption kind of line of work, and this is a turnaround kind of because um, there's so much going on. This this company has just exploded with the uh, with COVID testing. They're a national company, actually internationally now. Um, although we have um, we have some, we kind of on hold in Canada right now. But the whole concept, there's a writer called Anne Lamott in Bird by Bird, basically said, get all of this shit out of your head. Just get it out. Get that shitty first draft on a piece of paper. And I always tell people a couple of things. If you can get it written down, um, you kind of own the narrative, right? And I also talk about he or she who owns the timeline, you own everything. 
Because if I say this is the timeline and nobody disagrees, guess what? I <laughs> and I'm going right. to win. And I'm going to win. Now, this morning I got three things on my timeline for tomorrow, but you know that's okay. Uh, I did not I did not have a choice in that, but um but I do believe in those things. So I I, I love the messiness. I love trying to help uh, help find clarity through all this stuff. So that that's what I'm doing. And again, if you ask me what my job is, it's like 18 things rolled into one. <laughs> well, what uh, right off the cusp here, what draws you to havoc so much, or those situations? Uh, it's kind of scary, honestly. I mean, it's 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 kind of like I don't do drugs. You guys know I drink. You saw the uh, incredible bush light that I'm at. We're jealous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I like, you know, I like a little adrenaline rush and um, it's always a test of the mind. And, you know, I hope we get there later on talking about development. You and I have had a lot of conversations about development. I talk about development with anybody, strangers, whatever. What books are you reading? What are you doing? Um, and, um, and for me, the fastest way to learn is to immerse yourself in an environment where there's nothing else to do but learn. It's almost like when your back's against the wall, you have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your back's against the wall. Well, you know, and three or four people are coming at you, you better do something. <laughs> you better make a decision. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, along these lines, I mean, so you're, you're my godfather for the, uh, for the listeners. I was so heavenly blessed with such an intense man, um, to be my godfather. But, um, I do have to ask this on the lines of, of working. When did you know, or I guess come to the realization that the, the nine to five was just not something maybe in your cards. Um, I had a nine to five right out of school. It was in more of an accounting firm that did software based on a really old platform, Lotus one, two, three. It wasn't even a platform. Uh, it was an application. And, uh, I didn't want to become an accountant. I didn't want to sit behind a desk all day. And I moved into technology with no background. I had, I had a, I had a du dual major in political science, sociology, and a teaching certification. I went to an interview where they asked me 50 questions about technology. I said, yes, they hired me. <laughs> and, and when they gave me the offer, uh, and there's a backstory to that too, but when they gave me the offer, I, I asked Scott, who I still remember to this day, I'm like, were you here? Did you, I know absolutely nothing about this. He goes, look, I feel like I can train you on all the ones and zeros, the technology. And I said, cool. He goes, what I don't want to have to train you on is how to interact with customers. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you have handled this incredibly well. That's my memory. Now he might've just said, you did okay. But, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I mean, you get asked 50 questions and you only say, yes, I know one area. Um, and the backstory was that, uh, that, you know, through church, we had a marriage sponsor couple and Tom McCartan, and I'm going to say his name because he was amazing and his wife, Sue, but Tom owned the company. And we were finishing up and Tom said, hey, if you, he got to know us, right? And at the very last session, he's like, hey, if you ever want to come work for me, give me a call. Mm -hmm. You know, before we started working, we talked about the network and I was getting really, really bored. I'd taken, I got my life insurance license. You know how that goes, right? Hey. So yeah, I got, I had my Loma books out and all that kind of stuff, whatever that was back then. And I, I passed it and um I just got to the point where this, this is just not me. And so I went into technology in 93, no, 94, 95, 95. Yeah, it was right 94. in the prime time, really. Well, it was right before the dot-com bubble. And you're right. I mean, it was 95. And every, you know, I mean, a hard, a 50 meg hard drive from IBM was like three grand. Jeez. There were no blade servers. 
token ring. The token ring was like the a big not Ethernet. It was Ethernet and token ring. I mean, there's so many different stories, but but it was such a great experience. And the reason I loved it is because we did not work 40 hours a week, but we had the support of our leadership. So for example, when you worked overtime, be exactly right, you get like 30 bucks an hour during the weekdays and like 60 bucks extra an hour on the weekends. Wow. And this guy, we're talking about Warren Buffett kind of in the before we started recording and he maxed, I want to say, $3 for every dollar you put in the 401k. So you start learning, right? You start learning that if you work really, really hard, and that was the initial thought, for work really, really hard, there's going to be some benefit on the other side. I thought it was money at first because I always said, man, if I can make my age, that'd be awesome. And then you make your age or whatever, and you're like, okay, well, that's not really fulfilling. Mm. What it's really about is the knowledge that you gather and acquire the relationships with people that you work with and, and your customers. And see, that's where, and this will come off uh, and please take it as a compliment. So all the other guests we've had on this podcast are, um, I would say under the age of, what could we say? What was Wolfie? Was was he high 20s? Wolfie's like 26, I believe. 25, 26. Okay. So Steve's definitely the old guy of the bunch. Yeah. Yes. I'm okay saying I, I turned 50 this year and I'm, it's been a great, well, it's been a great year. It has, it's been an awesome year. Except for yeah. COVID. And you got yeah. <laughs> room, things like that. It's all good. Yeah. So it was a compliment from the perspective of us being 20 something, speaking to someone who actually has life experience. And so there, there's a couple of times in and throughout where I'm sure, and I'm not naive to this, we're not naive to this, that people think that we're not credible as we're talking, which is fair enough. We're young, you know, but we're still on here grinding, having fun. And then we figured, hey, let's get someone on that has some experience in life. And so if you wouldn't mind, just for those people that are our age, kind of repeat what you said on. <clears throat> so you found money not as a, a pure fulfillment, but what were some of the things that you did find that overed money or that were better than money, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back to the learning. I love steep learning curves. And um, I mean, I thought college was great. I went to a liberal arts school. I went to co-college. And it was it was amazing. Uh, you know, I got to help teach classes. I got to sit in the front row. Now I came out with pretty significant student loans. But when I when I when I think about what's really exciting, it's it's it, in my post college career in that job in technology, which I was at for just about two years. I learned more in those two years. Took more tests, more experience than I did in college. Now I'll be honest with you. Six months out of college. I was having beers with friends and I slammed a beer down and a friend was like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, they tricked me. And I'm, he's like, well, what do you mean they tricked you? I said, you know, I, I didn't understand that college was supposed to teach you how to think mm. like critically and like a system thinking in terms of systems, subsystems and critically. And I said, now I can't shut it off. Like a lot of people bash college now and I get it. If you think about a degree that's going to earn you a lot of money, Sure, some degrees will. More importantly is, do I learn to think on the fly and am I able to solve problems creatively? And that starts with critical thinking and thinking in terms of big systems. And I don't always do that. I mean, sometimes when you're down in the weeds and you're asked to do like a procedural document or something like that, that's not really sexy, but it's really important to getting shit done for the business, you know? Mm. So the whole learning aspect of it, the whole okay. fact that your brain, you just can't shut off your brain. You know, you guys are doing this on your own time. I mean, 
something's going on inside your head saying this is a good idea when everybody else is sitting around drinking doing nothing. <laughs> Go ahead, Cole. Well, Steve, I'm curious. So you bring up a really good point, something that we talk a lot about on this podcast. We've talked about it multiple times is like you graduate college and then there's that six month period where you're kind of finding your way. Right. And I've said it a lot. And Nick and I have talked about it a lot where college really isn't a reality. It's not reality because one, you're more than likely living in a town that's run by college kids. And it, it, it's everybody is your age. You're drinking, you're partying. Sometimes you're doing school, you're playing video games, you're having a lot of fun, you're away from mom and dad really for the first time, and you're learning to kind of be your own person and sustain yourself without having to worry about mom and dad as a safety net, right? So kind of like that, I mean, to your point, did you find that you learned how to learn after Mm. graduating college? Yeah, I think so. I I mean, I think that's a really good um, observation is... I didn't think about learning in college. I thought about the topic. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, you think about learning, but learning to learn is a whole nother level, right? And what do I have to do to continue to increase what kind of capabilities I have? So the more I learn, the faster I learn, the better off I'm going to be in terms of managing my own career. Right on. Yeah, because that's not something... and. I can speak for those people maybe that feel that way. And the reason that is is because you get hit with that fat ticket that says, hey, that you got to start paying these things off. And you're oh, like, oh, well, what the heck is this? You know, and, and uh, we hit that. And th- there was a little bit of blame um, from my end to the university. But at the same time, when you do go down the road of personal development and start testing yourself a little bit, you understand like this is ultimately my responsibility. And whether I was guided there or not, I still have to deal with it. But the good thing is I can always learn and move forward and improve like you're saying. Yeah. And never be afraid to go through the nine stages of rage. It's okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, I came out with 22 grand. You guys can pull up a calculator if you want back in 93. And um, my wife came out with about the same amount of student loan debt. So I'm going to guess it's probably around 40 ish, maybe today by today's numbers. Right. Not exactly sure. It's kind of a wild ass guess, but you get pissed off. You're like, Oh, okay, that was a really good time. And, and I was in the military while I was in high school and college. And I had Montgomery GI Bill and all this stuff. And I did exactly what you guys did. For the first thing, <laughs> I partied my ass off. So, uh, and I had a great time. I mean, I lived in a, an apartment with like five or six guys and then kind of narrowed it down to just me and one other guy in an apartment. You know, got kind of a first real job, which they paid me less than I got in college. So I, my first economic lesson after I left college was I went back to the same employer and they said, they're basically going to pay me $2,000 less a year. And I said, well, what the hell? I think that was what I said. And he said, I said, why? Uh, because we can. And mm-hmm. so that, I knew I was going to get out of there as soon as possible. I mean, it, it made no sense to me. It was just a prick move. And I'm like, I, I'm, I, that's not the kind of environment I want to be. For sure. Especially, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cole. No, you're good. So I, I, it's funny because Steve, I heard a quote from Elon Musk not too long ago, and I just want to get your thoughts on this. He was in an interview and he'd said, and whatever your thoughts on Elon Musk or feelings towards him are like, whatever. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd roll one with him. I'd, I'd just, <laughs> you know, sure. If I could hang out with him for an hour, I'd smoke whatever he had or ate whatever he had. I'd be okay. <laughs> well, sure. he said he had this quote and it was, we have way too many smart people in our society today that go into finance or law. I'm a finance graduate, right? And I look at it, I look at my degree as definitely a tool, like a life tool, something that I can look back on and be like, 
yeah, okay, I learned about finances so that down the road, I can be financially smart and hopefully financially free. That's something Nick and I talk a lot about. But he talks about how there's way too many smart people in those two areas. And I think that's something that starts maybe at the university level. Do you think that's true? And if so, why? You know, it's a good question on why. Um, you know what? Um, it's funny because we went on kind of a little bit, My the owner of the company I work for went on a hiring spree kind of this weekend because we need talent. And so we, don't, we didn't care what the degree was. And, and I feel like that's like in smaller to mid-sized organizations, regard, regardless of your degree, you've got better opportunities. I don't know why there are so many degrees. I mean, I've got a poli-sci and social degree. Super marketable, I know. I, I'm sure everybody wished <laughs> that they had those two degrees. Again, though, I will say that about six or seven years ago, I really did start using that, that those degrees. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, socio if you think finance is a really big, sociology is another one that a lot of people have, at least they, they did back in the day. But I, you know, I, I, don't really, I don't really have insight into that. Um, I can see what he's saying. I think he's a maker by, by, at heart, right? So he wants people that are going to get out there and be able to make the impossible happen. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody can do that. I don't think it matters what your degree is. I mean, again, political science, sociology, I never took an IT course. And I would say after that first shitty job, the first real job I had was in information technology. And I was putting together networks. I was putting together systems that enabled each other to uh, enable other systems to talk to each other, whether it be banks, hospitals. Um, I worked on schools. Sometimes I wasn't the lead. Sometimes I was just, you know, kind of like uh, part of the team that was putting it together. But we, um, you know, I learned early on that it's really more about what does that degree give you in terms of capabilities, you know? So if you're a finance major, and I love Elon, but so what? You three, Again, you should be able to think critically, you should be able to analyze, and you should be able to make business decisions. Mm. And that's pretty cool, because if I look at it like that, it's like, okay, what if I have a sociology degree like Steve does, right? Yep. Am I going to be able to make the same kind of decisions that you have with the finance degree? Probably not, because I don't have that experience and background. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, definitely. Jeremy, go ahead. I want to speak on this because we actually at Sport Radar, I, I remember one of our one of the guys that we had on before COVID hit, and um, he actually was a, an economics major. He got a, a degree in economics, but was doing a sequel and all the analytics that go behind what we do, and it's like you know. I don't think we really focused on the the degree, even though, you know, sometimes it always helps to have like a software engineer or a computer science degree to get into a computer science field. It was more focused on, can you, can you learn this? Can you learn this effectively? And can you communicate effectively basically? And because SQL is super easy to learn, like t- teaching someone to learn like a programming language doesn't really take that long. Just once you get higher and higher and higher, and then you, when you need more and more depth, then that's when it starts taking a little longer. But to do, do like the basic level SQL stuff, it wasn't like we needed to go out and hire computer science people. So we kind of, it seemed like we focused on hiring people that could do the job and do the job well over the, the degree they had. And again, that goes back to what's the person's mindset? What are their capabilities? Not the degree, right? Yeah. And I don't know if this is, not, I don't know how true this statement would be, but I'm going to throw it out there. I think sometimes we get our identity held up in that too, because we, there's people that go the route and they're like, shit, I just spent four years and I got that degree. I got to go in that field, right? I got to do it because I just put all that time in. When in reality, 
and this is where I wish I would have taken hold of internships more. You go taste real world in certain circumstances, it completely changes your outlook on what you want to do professionally. Well, yeah. Yeah, I recommend don't go, go, don't go into a job with your degree. Why? You know, I mean, unless you're really passionate about it. And if you did the internships, you'll know. Here's the thing. All, it's a checkbox. That's all it is right now. Because HR, and I've been a part of HR for a long time, HR and leadership want to ha- wants people to have a degree, right? Mm-hmm. It's a checkbox to a large extent. Behind that checkbox, though, is somebody that spent four years, again, or three years or whatever, thinking critically, doing a lot more project-based work these days, um, learning how to communicate. And, 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 you know, if you have the internships, now you've got some real world, ex- world experience, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, nobody should ever be, like, ashamed if they came out with whatever degree and they don't use it. It will come back. Yeah, I want to oh, talk about this, too, because this actually happened to me because, like, literally my first job um, interview out of college was at a, at a software engineering firm because that's where I thought I had to go because I got a software engineering degree, right? And I immediately walked out of that interview and I was like, I do not want to do this ever again. Like, this is not for me. Why did I just spend four years of my life doing software engineering if that was what it's going to accumulate to? And, you know, it shifted my focus because I was like, all right, well, what, what, what do I know? I know sports and I know data analytics and I have good enough programming skills to put the two together. So I, I ended up teaching myself all about baseball analytics and teaching myself basically everything I needed to know to take a job. And I, I just applied to baseball teams and just applied everywhere. And, and actually, Sport Radar found me through some of my postings. And I was like, you know, this is this sounds perfect for me. So we set up an interview and like literally two hours after the interview, they called me and like, hey, you have the job if you want it. Here you go. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, you know, I, I think I think that's that's how you should approach it is you were aggressive, you were determined and you ended up with an amazing job. Oh, yeah. Well, and well, another reason why I wanted to bring you on, Steve, is we've both gone the course of self-exploration. And I think to go back to the other point too, Cole, on finance and or accounting, was it? I'm sorry. Um, they, people fear exploration because they don't know what's out there. You know, some people love that, which is fair enough. And some people don't like exploring. Right. So I think that self-exploration allows for it. So I made these guys do the Clifton Strength Finder, and we did an episode on it way back. But mm-hmm. at any rate, I know you've done that or we've talked a lot about that. And when you really start to like, because like I never would have known when I went to a job, like I have skills that other people don't have, but I couldn't take a class on soft skills. Like where was the class on salesmanship and soft skills? You know, so like when I came out, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm really scared because I don't know what to do. But then all of a sudden you place me in a situation where, hey, what I want you to do is call people all day and just talk to them. Holy shit. This is fun. <laughs> Right. Well, and I think I think it requires the right person to be able to do that. You know, I mean, it again, mindset. Go back to what Jeremy kind of his approach towards it. You know, you designed your you designed your personal life, right? And you designed your work life. And and when you own that shit, when you say I want my work life to be like this, I want my personal life to be like this. And Nick, we've talked about it. You know, there there's there's a book called Designing Your Life. I think is what it's called. I'll look it up later. But I love it when people just own it and get after it. And like you said, knowing what you're knowing, knowing that you're going to fill a piece of that puzzle, that you're going to have some skills that probably other people don't, and you just have to figure out what your niche is. 
And if you can figure out what that is that elevates your leader and everyone else, then they're going to keep looking to come to you. They're going to come to you time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's what Jeremy's experiencing with his job right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they come like a lot of the baseball stuff. It's it's either we have another super very intelligent guy that works out in California and he'll do all like the high level stuff. But if, if it's like anything like data analytics, new age kind of stuff, like stuff like that, it's like, all right, Jeremy, can you take a look at this? Maybe look over this maybe one, two times if if I'm on and if I can get to the computer, if I'm not working. So like it's it's cool to be able to take ownership of that because I like that, that kind of stuff I love. I love being able to teach people about baseball and use the baseball analytics and you know teach people about how people actually approach the game now and that's that's something I find a lot of joy in. Well, you yeah, you're kind of like a unicorn because you're living your passion, right? <clears throat> you know, a lot of people will go and and this isn't going to sound right, you're going to hate me, Jeremy, but <laughs> you know, there's a what's the book Nick I recommended to you, Die Broke. There's a book called yeah. Die Broke. And the main premise is a job is for money. Don't look to get your passion out of your job. Now, you're lucky, Jeremy. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Sounds like you're, you love baseball. You got into a, a world that you just thrive in, right? If you look at what's the function of a job, though? It's for basically gain and keep your house over or keep the roof over your house. Yeah, yeah. You know, Maslow's lowest level, right? Let's yeah, take right. care of that one. You should be doing shit outside of work that you love. If you think work is going to give you that passion, man, I... I think that's that 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 could lead you down a wrong path. You know, yeah. now you want to enjoy your work. Like these people I'm working with now, most of them are new, especially with the company. But even in the in the founders organization, there's some amazing people there, man. I mean, just absolutely amazing. But I don't I don't go to work because you know I think this is the end all be all. I go to work because it stretches me and it. It puts me in a different place, but I want to go do something I love after work. You know, yeah. um, I want to go talk to people like you because you all are focused on growing and developing. Well, Steve, that's exactly kind of why we started the, this podcast. And I know I kind of, I think I mentioned it to you before we even jumped on this call, but you know, that Nick and I started by talking to each other every week. And then we, we kind of brought Jeremy in. And especially when we had the idea of like, all right, we kind of want to do a podcast. Jeremy is crazy tech savvy. And it's like, all right, Jeremy, teach us everything. And, and like, like, let's really make a go at this. And so it's kind of nice to, you get off at five here, you know, it's by, by there, by, by now it's eight o'clock, your guys' time. And it's like, I get to talk to my buddies. I get to meet real cool thing, people outside of work. And it is kind of one of those things that uh, it, it kind of fills up your, it, it fills up your tank for like the the job that you do have whether it's the nine to five hours or not yeah and, and i'm not saying that you should hate your job i mean what is it gallup says 70 percent of the people yeah this is crazy they don't like their job i mean mm. you know they don't they don't enjoy getting up and going to work on monday because <clears throat> it's a really sad statistic why 85 percent of people hate their jobs oh my Wow. This is December 3rd, 2019. It's from StatSquared, but they're pulling from Gallup's work. Uh, I don't know so, if it's 85. I think it's that's a little inflamed, but yeah, that's, still. A, that's, that's a global poll. So let me go to the U.S. We're not any better. We're like at 70. Uh, that's that one. There's Gallup. <clears throat> and they go by culture, too. And okay. so if you look at cultures, it's it's really – and Jim Clifton wrote this one. So – and I have worked with the Gallup organization in developing leadership development programs at Boeing. 
And so I have high regard for them. And we were basically, before positive org psychology was a thing, we were kind of talking that language or before it became really, really popular. So yeah, the global one, um, but it says uh, 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 in the US at around 30% engaged, but it still means that roughly 70% of Americans. So yeah, I was, I was accurate there because that's the number that I've heard is, you know, they're just not engaged. And, you know, I think that's where you got to dig down and you got to, you got to find it. Your leader is not going to necessarily help you. Like if you, if you own your career and, you know, and if you own design, you know, and I recommend design your life. What do you want your life to be? And then design what your work life wants to be. If you want to work nine to five, cool. Find a job where you can work nine to five, not nine to nine. Right. You know, because it's going to crush your soul. And it, Jeremy, it sounds like you're probably not necessarily eight to five. Sometimes. No, I'm, I'm some days I'm three to 11, four to 12. Other days I'm <laughs> 6 a.m. to whatever, three. Well, yeah. Is flexibility important to you? Yeah. I mean, I can be flexible. It's like, I, for me, it's, well, I've, baseball's like, my whole life has been revolving schedules and right. being flexible. So it's not like it's a huge shock to me at all. And like, right. but you like, you like the flexibility. So if you're working oh, yeah. at 11, that means you're off from 11 till what, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it gives you the flexibility again to design your life around if it's around baseball. And then if it's around personal life, I mean, I mean yeah, it gives me, about. for me, it gives me a ton of like time just to do stuff I want to do outside of work. Like I can wake up at 8am and, not have to worry about work till 3 3 p.m and i got this whole whole block of time that i can spend what on whatever i want to do that's really cool hey guys just wanted to let you know we teamed up with our guys over at driftless you guys may have heard clayton lieb come on the podcast and do an interview with us well we got a promo code go going on with them type in state street at checkout and you get 10 percent off your entire cart get things like the hats the hoodies the t-shirts the stickers the hoodies and the tees, you guys, let me tell you, they're some of the softest clothes you'll ever wear. They look great on men and women. They got a new women's line coming out very, very soon. Guys, go get some of these tees, hoodies. The, the hats got great designs, and the stickers will look good on water bottles and laptops. So, Steve, just, just so we can drive this topic home, because I think there's so much meat here. So... Finding your passion versus doing it for your job. I think the self-help industry definitely mentions trying to combine the two, but that's just a, a philosophy that some people you know, yeah. love to do. Um, I'm glad that you share that, though, because I think you can really enjoy certain aspects of your job, but I still think that there, are, there will be things ultimately oh, that yeah. frustrate you, really, in anything that you do. Yeah. And so... Just talk on that a little bit. So, like, what are some things that you picked up when you read that book, and/or what was the 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 moment where you're like, "Holy shit, I understand it." It's starting to click now on like how I need to build this system. You know, I, I listened to a lot of people. There was a, a guy early on in my career that said if he had he was getting close to retirement, and Jeremy, you'll like all you guys will like this. You're all baseball guys, right? Hopefully, yeah. oh yeah. And so his name was Marty, and uh, it was in an aerospace company in Iowa. And um, Marty said, you know, Steve, if I have five bad days in a row, fuck it, I'm gone. He goes, I'm going to go get my RV. <laughs> I'm going to go to spring training. I'm going to go what? go to every stadium in the country, and I'm just done, right? And <clears throat> what that taught me was is it wasn't just about the fat five bad days, but it's about how are you waking up every day and approaching your career? It's not a job, but your career. If you don't think you're getting something out of your career, why aren't you looking deeper? Why aren't you focused on 
those things that you're passionate about and putting yourself in a position to get there. So listening to other people and, and, and again, I designed my work life kind of a, a little bit the way that this book talks about designing your work life. And then the other one is designing your life. Um, I did it kind of unconsciously, but about, I think I showed you, I showed you my identity card, Nick, about 17 years ago, a friend of mine who's now a Buddhist chaplain monk over in Prague walked me through an activity about creating this identity statement. And the reason I was kind of pinging Jeremy so hard at that time was like, I'm all about having flexibility. Flexibility gives me joy in my life. Like I want to be a better husband, father, friend, godfather, all those kind of things, right? So that's this aspirational state statement that I that I've created on my own. I, I wrote for like two or three hours. It felt like my arm was numb. And then of course my my friend Mark said, now we gotta put this on a business card. I'm like, fuck on a business card and I still have the original one and I and I have the other one because it's behind my billfold so every time every time I pull out my my debit card or my license it's right there and it reminds me of what I'm trying to accomplish as a person mm-hmm. and, and 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 I'll never reach it it is so aspirational at times I'll hit aspects of it but it's it's it just motivates me you know to get out there and do it and so regardless of the job, if I have the flexibility, like if I want to go hang out with someone for lunch or if I'm traveling and I want to go do something, you know, that makes me happy. Yeah, I think sometimes too, like people don't understand, like once you graduate and you're working, like as long as you're taking care of yourself, like you can do whatever you want. Like there's no rules. There's no rules on how to play this. Like Joe Rogan literally break society because he's not playing by the rules and everyone's mad at that because he's a comedian and a podcast hoster. Like that's his whole life. And people are jealous of that, you know, but what did he do? He stepped out and he just understood some things about himself and and he went for it. And I mean, we, we probably understand this too. Will we ever monetize this? Who knows? But it, like Cole said, it's so fun to meet people and talk about this stuff because it's relevant. I think, I mean, as relevant as it can be, but well, you're, to- yeah. I mean, Joe Rogan just started it, right? I mean, he started it up, he had no real intentions, and now he's like one of the biggest things on the planet, right? Right. I mean, people listen to him. They li- just like they listened to Mark Marin as he was in, you know, as he was an early podcaster as well, and a couple other folks that were out there. And so, you know, but he, but he took the risk. He decided that he wanted to go ahead and do something, and didn't give a fuck about what happened with it, right? I mean, now it's hard to stop the machine, right? Right. It's hard to stop it. Um, and now he's going to be on what, Spotify? And look at that deal, right? Yeah. I think he got I mean, like stupid. 100 bucks. It's stupid. It's amazing. So, but yeah, I mean, well, go ahead. Well, well, Steve, I mean, we can't believe that people listen to us. I mean, granted, it's not, you know, the Joe Rogan show. It's not the, you know, the number number five podcast in the world. I mean, but we can we can look at our numbers and see that people actually press play and listen to us and and obviously to the people listening to this obviously hopefully you're taking something away from Steve first and foremost because you should be i know the three of us are but second of all thank you for listening to us um because hopefully it's it's making some sort of impact but i mean i think i think Jeremy and Nick would both agree that we can't believe people actually listen to us too for real. I mean, what though you you'd be surprised at what you can do but Again, you and you guys stepped out. You stepped out and you're trying something. So what if you fail? I mean, you're going to learn, right? 
when you go out, let's say this lasts for a year and it doesn't hit, what does it teach you? I mean, it teaches you so much about reaching out to people, producing, editing, like the whole kind of business of it. And again, a lot of people are, we're sitting here, it's nine o'clock my time. So I'm Eastern time, right? It's nine o'clock Eastern. It's eight o'clock central. And a lot of folks are with their families. Cool. That's awesome. But you guys are taking, taking the initiative to go do something. And I know a lot of people are podcasting, but at least you're giving it a shot. At least you're getting your point of view out. You're listening to your, to, to others, but most importantly, you're listening to yourself. I think that's something a lot of people don't do is listen to themselves. And what is the, what is my point of view? What is my opinion on certain things? Yeah. Cause when me and Cole started talking, like we understood, like we're, nothing we share is like going to knock someone's socks off. Like exactly. nothing we talk about, people are going to be like, Oh my God, guys, thank you for bringing that up. You know? So we, <laughs> we acknowledge that stuff and it's just like the whole act of, of trying. And I think if you'd asked us when, when we went on day one, the difference of growth, and it hasn't even been that long. It really has not even been that long. And the difference of growth of creating this whole thing and, um, not to go too far down this, this rabbit hole, cause I do want to ask you about something else. Um, but yes, thank you for the compliments. We do appreciate it. I want to spin a little bit on this to creative thinking and that for us. And I know Cole, especially this like totally juiced up his brain on the creative thinking aspect. Do you have to do a lot of that with your day to day or what's what's your thoughts on creative thinking? Cause like, that's another thing I, I love about your ability to just come into a situation because there's no way there's a standard procedure for that well there's not but there's always a framework there's always a structure there's inputs there's a process and there's an output right and sometimes the process goes to hell right away but you know um creativity is is 80 90 percent of what i do it's like here's a problem our customer is struggling with this how do we solve it okay i'll go do something tonight so we can get it out to them tomorrow right or two days or three days or whatever and so, you know, there's a early on in my career there, I, I learned about Edward de Bono, and I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but he's kind of one of the, one of the fathers of uh, stimulating creative thinking. So like six hats and some other tools. And um, there's a company that I subscribed to when I was in, you know, a while ago, and it was called Mind Tools. And they're just all these sort of creative tools. I've got books that have all these creative activities. Um, even the company that I'm, I'm working with now created like um, combustion questions. And they're really like just really interesting questions to get like conversation started. I didn't know that we had that. I feel horrible. When I was loading it up to our community, we, I launched a platform for Sean. And it's to build a community of innovators and disruptors. And creativity is a big part of it, right? To help people think creative. Because people think that they're not creative. And it's really. They are, though. I know. I know, but we, look, hey, everybody has a story in the head about who they are. And most of the time it's bullshit, including myself. So, <laughs> right, yeah. But if you tell yourself, if you tell yourself, I'm not worthy, I'm not really valuable, I can't be loved, all that stuff. Well, guess what? You know, you probably aren't because you're like asking for that stuff, right? If you go out and say, you know what, I'm a pretty reasonable person and I, I, and I like to kick ass and I want to go do some cool stuff then you're going to go find those opportunities. So mindset to me and, and a lot of people I know is absolutely critical to being successful. 
Well, thank you for shedding the light on that because that was one thing I know we had a big takeaway. If we had to stop today, I know that would be one thing that was like we had to think outside the box, and we even went as far as making stickers. So that was that was kind of cool. I'm not <laughs> sure where we're at with that. We may yeah. need to revamp that. But <laughs> did you use Sticker Mule? Because that's the only place to go. Sticker oh, Mule. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yep. Sticker Mule is like the best. There you go. I love it exactly. Yeah, hot ass sauce hot ass sauce there so. <laughs> well go ahead i think you had something well yeah it's not and it, I, I just kind of want to play off of what steve said and he said that you know people are creative right and 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 a lot of people don't think so i as nick said i am a perfect example of that i for 22 years of my life i've felt that i'm a very in the box thinker inside the box i think logically i try to think I try to think steps ahead, but I try to think, okay, how can we do this efficiently and how can we get this done in a, in a timely manner and done the right way? This thing has kind of stretched me and kind of like you're talking about to think and exactly like Nick mentioned, actually, think outside the box because first and foremost, a lot of people, you know, Steve, I got to say, you're kind of an exception to, to a lot of people. A lot of people don't think they're very interesting when we ask them to come on. They're like, why would I want, why would you want me? I'm not super interesting at all. And it's like, you want to say to them, and, and sometimes we have even said it to people where it's like, yeah, you're interesting. You just don't know it. And, and it is kind of our job as maybe hosts of this to pull it out of you and, and seep it out of you. So you realize how interesting you truly are because everybody does have like that different story, right? They, everybody's experienced and we've, we've all experienced a lot of the same things, but we've all experienced a lot of different things. I mean, a 50-year-old guy to a 23-year-old guy to a 16-year-old to a 64-year-old to a 90-year-old. Like, there are things that relate us, but there are also things that make us very, very different in the world. And I think that's one thing that's super cool just about the era that we're in, which social media, you know, people have wide ranges of how they feel about it, right? I know Nick is, like, totally against it. Jeremy is all over social media, right, with, with all the analytics he does and <laughs> And like, but he, but he does a great job and he's super creative about it. Um, and I think that's one thing is like, people are so interesting and they are so creative. And it's one thing that I've had to like, even learn about myself through the process of trying to get others to realize it is how to be creative and how to be actually interesting, how to see that in yourself. Well, look, look, man, most people feel like they're never seen. And you hear a lot of people talk about this and you know, uh, I will tell people, I see you. I see what you're doing. I love what you're doing. It's sometimes it's it's really fucked up what you're doing, but you're giving it your best shot, right? And the fact that you're doing that, that earns my respect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people just feel invisible. I mean, how sad is it that people feel like they're not being seen by the world? Maybe by their partner or their spouse. I mean, man, what you what you talked about was exactly it's sad. I mean. People don't think they're creative. They are. They, they just haven't really thought about it. They think they have to do some DIY art project they see on TikTok. And yes, I have a TikTok account. Be sure to shout that out before yeah, the end of the show. No, no uh, TikTok's the only thing I really like anymore. Um, uh, anyways, but you know, it's it's really sad. So I like to tell people, and and this is something I when you see something and you see people working really hard, it's like. I see you. I had a call this morning with a woman named Christian. And I'm like, I see you working really hard. We got to stop that. What can I do to help? What can we do to make your life easier? She's working sometimes 21 a day. That's not sustainable, Jeez. right? Mm -hmm. And you know what? She said, you know what? This is what I want to do. I said, how can I help you get there? 
Uh, she's, she's a 30-year-old woman who is very talented, very brilliant. And I used to run a women in leadership course for a big four, uh, a Fortune 50 insurance company. I've got resources. I can help her if she wants that kind of help, right? I can give her the insights that executive women taught me. I didn't teach them. They taught me. And so I can pass that forward to her and help her grow. But the first thing is, I see you. I see you busting your ass. It's not sustainable. What can we do? Yeah, because we're all on the same journey at the end of the day, aren't we? Well, I think we are. I, don't we all just want to be acknowledged a little bit? I mean, you got to be able to acknowledge the work you do on your own, but it's nice to be seen. It, it's, it's, it's really cool that people are, and you know, again, there's a, I think it's a Buddhist saying, but if you believe it to be true or not, you're right. You know, so you have to watch carefully how you're thinking. And, um, you know, another friend used to talk about magical thinking. You can't be doing magical thinking. If I slept during my eight hour shift, because most of us are remote, is that really work? I, I don't know. Um, I'd have to question that one. But, you know, I mean, you know, people just like to be seen. They like to be acknowledged. They like to be a part of something. I mean, absolutely. You guys, you guys have all been on teams, right? So yeah. I swam in college. It was it was less about the swimming and more about being a part of something much bigger than myself. Yes. Well, and I think it's cool that if you hadn't stepped out of your comfort zone to talk to her, she would have maybe never received the information too. So there was a, I can't remember what the book was, but actually, excuse me, Ed Milet, my bad. I don't know why I didn't recall him. Ed Milet, he follows it. And the way he articulates it is it's not that everyone deserves a participation trophy, but rather if you can self-manifest whatever your strengths are, that uniqueness is what creates the output. And we want that to be, I want to experience that. If Ed Milet would have never stepped up and did his thing, I would have never been impacted by him. And so that's what we're talking about is like that process of becoming whatever you're supposed to be. Jeremy's job, I will never do Jeremy's job my whole life, but he was made <laughs> to do his job. That's a good thing, you know? So right. like, that's just a perfect example of that. But um. Just for the sake of time, Steve, and boy, we could talk, I think, for, for five hours, not, not only three, but five, but um, let's talk a little bit on literature. So when was your, what was your first taste of, of just reading in general, and, and what were you getting your hands on? Like, like way back when I was a kid, first thing that I was reading? Well, that, yeah, we can start there and work up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I mean, I grew up, we grew up without a lot, but I remember having a book about Pele in my house. That was like one of the few books that we owned at that time, right? Um, and when I moved at 10 to another small town, I discovered this thing called the library because now I had a bike and I could, I could ride to that library. And so I read the biography of every president that summer. I mean, I just tore through it, you know, and then they had these things, you guys don't laugh, but they, (laughs) they had vinyl books, right? So you could get a book on vinyl. So, you know. Uh, it existed before, you know, before <laughs> books on cassettes, and now, you know, we've got everything digital. Uh, and so I learned that that I didn't have to, because I couldn't, I didn't have any money. I started working at twelve, but from ten to twelve, and even now, I have a library app. I have my graduate school library app, and I have my county library app, and I get probably eighty percent of my books through them. But I think, um, I think when I, I don't know where I started loving that whole developing yourself kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I think I learned along the way that I wanted to be able to do certain things and to be, you know, again, aspirational. This is what I would like to be when I grow up. And, um, and I think every time I read a book, 
Like I used to think that I made really horrible career choices for about a decade. Like I, I, I have been a part of multiple industries. I haven't had the same kind of job. And then I, there's this book called Range. And, and to put it in a baseball metaphor, it's like being a utility player, right? Mm. And I actually was a utility player when I played high school ball. So I could do everything. Now I could pitch, but everybody back the hell up. I mean, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and don't hurt me. And that was up through like 10th grade. But I, I basically played shortstop first, second, third, and outfield. Every, you know, pretty much every position. I didn't like catching. I just didn't like it. Um, yeah, I got hit in the mass one time and, and you said the hell with this. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of a that was kind of a, a rude awakening. And shortstop just scared the hell out of me. But I, I had to play it a couple times. But you know, I mean, this book called Range basically said the more experiences you have, the breadth of experiences is a really great thing because it helps shape you and round you out. And and I, I really did. There were times when you know I'd get a little bit down, going, "Man, am I just repeating? Am I on repeat? Am I just pushing that same button? Or am I really like?" expanding my capabilities and and i was even across industries even across taking new assignments that like you know there's no playbook for well and not to not to down or not to uh to jump over and say that people that just enjoy going to work and then that's what they do and then they come home like fair enough it's whatever you want to do yeah yes absolutely for the love of god just be happy and you know if you, before you leave, just ask yourself, am I going to be happy on the other side of this? Right. Yeah. Happiness. Yeah. That, that should be ultimatum. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause I do think as when I started reading, I kind of got like, I was wondering like, why doesn't everyone do this? You know, like, but then I've also come to figure out and uh, shout out to Ray Dalio and principles, but people are just wired differently. People have yeah. certain aspirations for what they want and um, you know, they'll do those things, but, uh, what, what were some of the, the more of the, the top level ones that I know we've read a couple, but like your top three, if you had to pick. Oh, that's tough. Um, I still, I'm looking through my audible library right now. Um, I'm still going to say the designing your life, okay. your life, because if you think about this is what I want my life to be, you know? And I'm going to design my life to be able to do that. So I want to travel all the time. Well, I should probably get a job that I can do remotely. You know, um, there are so many things to that book that, that are really amazing. Um, my favorite book, and people might laugh at this, but I love, a, uh, there's a religious book called The Shack. I think I may have gotten that one for you, Nick. I'm not sure. The Shack? Yeah, but The Shack. I mean, there, there's, you know, it's, 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 it's really just a book that makes you reflect. And it makes you really kind of think about your faith. And, and I thought that's great, too, because you don't leave faith at the door of the office, right? I mean, it's not something um, that you're going to do. Uh, another one I like is Never Split the Difference. Uh, FBI, Hostage Negotiator. Yeah, that one's, I haven't read that one. I've heard a lot of good reviews on it, though. Love it. And then I do think you have to go outside your comfort zone, just even in the, even into the stuff that is not personal development. Like I'm a huge fan. I just pulled it up. I'm a huge fan of the Baba verse and Dennis, I think uh, is a tailor. And um, I got it from audible and it, it takes me away from work. Right. I think everybody needs something that takes them away from work. So you can let your mind sit and Mm. be more like just at ease at rest. I'm all about self-development and I'm also about like, you know, thinking time, like, don't take anything, take a piece of paper and a pencil so you can write stuff down and as things come by. 
But, you know, I, I listened to more things that I probably should have listened to when I was 16, 17, 18 that I'm listening to at 50. And so, and, and there's a ton of books. I do a lot of reading and listening to books around human-centered design, whether it's Reese or whether it's the, from people from, he's from IDEO, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, and, and they do a lot of great work kind of from a social perspective, like how do we solve issues with water and certain places in the world? And, and, and they're, really, they're really amazing. So the creative stuff I, I do too. But I, I do think you have to balance your development, which is something that's fun. Yeah. Fun. Well, and on this topic too, and I, I'm sure people that are listening to that, if they were to hear me, they're thinking, oh my gosh, like he's so hardcore. Like he just reads all the time and all this personal development stuff. Like, no, like I, I'll read books outside of that. Like the alchemist is a book that is a completely just fantasy book, but in doing that, your brain somehow finds a way to connect the dots when you're looking for an idea. I don't know yeah. how or why, but I have heard that from so many people. Yeah. If you're just reading random books, fiction, nonfiction, like, and then you go after a goal and all of a sudden, like the creative juices just flow somehow. And it's so cool. So I don't want people to think that I'm just like, <laughs> I'm a military standard for what I'm reading, but just in yeah. general. And yeah. I wanted to talk. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, you guys were talking about personal finance. I mean, if you haven't read kind of like, the, one of the first things written about it, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, right? I mean, I'm a, you know, if, again, find that thing you love. If it's baseball, if it's personal finance, like I'm a big fan. Oh, sorry. Think and Grow Rich started up. I accidentally hit the wrong thing. Uh, if you, if you, if you, I, I love personal finance. That's a whole separate topic, right? We've talked a lot about that. But I'm a big fan of the FIRE movement, the, the Financial Independent Retire Early. I'm just not retiring early, but I'm at a I'm at a spot to where I followed a lot of those principles. And so I read like Mr. Money Mustache. I read uh, Mr. and Mrs. 1500 and a bunch of the listen to some podcasts and so forth, because that's really, really interesting to me. You know, how, you know, so so again, I think it's development and then find something that you just really enjoy and then listen to it and or read it or or explore it kind of thing. Yeah. Cause like, even if you, even if you're not good at it, and I think that's another thing too. Sometimes people don't want to take the risk cause they don't, they're like, Oh, I'm going to be bad. It's like, cause one time we went golfing me and Emily went golfing and she was like, I don't want, I don't like golf cause I'm not good at it. And I'm like, it's your first time playing. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can still like stuff even if you're not good at it, but that, to your point, yes, absolutely. I think that's, that's critical uh, as well. Well, just, uh, just for, again, the sake of time. And I, I would love to talk to you for, for lengths, but um, Cole does have a couple of questions, um, but before we get there, guys, do you have anything for him? I have one more question, but other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm good on my end. It, it's been a great podcast so far and I, I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, Nick, keep us rolling man. keep us rolling right along. This is great stuff. Okay. Um, so the last thing I want to talk to you about Steve is this is a hard one, but I'm going to bring it up live accepting reality of certain things. So like, Sometimes we have an, a, a feeling towards one thing or another, money, for example. And that's a pretty obvious one or a common one. But sometimes there are rules in play, like you're talking about, or principles to live by, where we might not agree with it or we might not feel good about it, but it's a fact. Like, so again, money is a currency. We need it to live. And so, like, whether you like it or not, like, the fact is at the end of the day, you got you to gotta make it if you're going to do shit with it, basically. So, I, how, how have you done that like how have you accepted some of the disciplines of waking up early and swimming and and some of those other pieces of life that keep the the mind sharpened you know um honestly uh 
I joined the military in my junior year of high school. So after my junior year of high school, I went to basic training, like, you know, as part, as, as part of the National Guard. And, and it, was, it was the real life basic training. It just the average age was 17 years and four months. And I, I always say that, you know, um, you know, leaping into an experience and being okay with failing. Um, and, that, and the military taught me, you can fail, but you got to get back up. You know what I mean? Fail, but get back up. And having that kind of discipline, and I don't always have it. I mean, it's something I strive for. That and patience. I have zero patience lately. Three, <laughs> we all need more patience. Three, three years, though. I mean, I should be moving somewhere towards it. Emotion, emotional intelligence I gave up on. Um, I just try to be kind. I try to, I try to, I try to have compassion for people and I figure that should be good enough for emotional intelligence. You know what I mean? Um, asking people how you can help them. Like we talked about earlier that I did today, uh, multiple times <laughs> I texted people, what can I help you with? What can I do? Um, <laughs> even though I've got a boatload of stuff, but that discipline came from the military. And I still, okay. if you go up to my closet, everything's spaced appropriately. Now I don't roll up everything like I used to. I did that for a while. <laughs> I used to make my kids stand for the national anthem. Oh, I'm a horrible dad. But, um, you know, uh, you know, because I mean, it's just, you know, it, it was just such a formative place. It was the first time that I understood what America was supposed to be about when they talked about a melting pot. Mm. So you got rednecks from Louisiana. You got Puerto Ricans that are that had gone to like uh, an academy six weeks before that really had like a jump on it that were amazing. You had people just, uh, you know, that didn't didn't think like you, didn't look like you, didn't talk like you, some from major cities and I came from a rural area. And man, it was like eye-opening. It was like, it wasn't like we all got along, you know what I mean? But together we had to be, you had to be disciplined as an individual and then you had to be disciplined as a group. And there's nothing more special than being disciplined as a group and being able to maneuver and, and, and be able to act as one. Um, and it takes so long. It is just, it is, it's almost where you just want to give up. And I never had any combat experience. I want to make sure that I'm clear on that. But a good friend of mine, like I told you before, he did a tour in Afghanistan and Iraq and this is that he can't talk about. And he, um, and you know, he was, he was a West Point graduate. You want to talk about discipline, right? Okay. I mean, you know, um, he's amazing. But that, that discipline part for me really comes from having goals. If I didn't set goals, I would do nothing during the day. And I have a lot of goals and I break them up into personal, professional, and even farther down that financial, you know, all those kind of things, relationship, all those kind of things. Um, how much do I volunteer? I'm working on a veteran suicide project and I got a message today from a gentleman who focuses on men wear pink, I think. So cancer, men who have cancer. Mm. And I, in my LinkedIn profile, I say that I'm open to volunteer opportunities. We're going to talk tomorrow sometime. So, you know, that discipline allows you to, again, remember how I said earlier, like he who own, he or she who owns the timeline? Timeline, yeah. You got 20, you have your own time, four hours a day. I love how Jeremy talked about his timeline, right? You got 24 hours a day. What are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, you need nine hours of sleep, get your nine hours of sleep. Design your life, design what's going to happen and be disciplined around that, right? Hell yeah. Well. And that's something I'm learning about too. And again, I'm not coming off as if I have the best discipline out there, but I have learned the lessons and the value of discipline. And I think that it definitely is something that needs to be integrated in certain areas of your life if you want a certain outcome like we talked on. But 
I think our listeners have had a lot of good motivation, some some truth and some raw, but now we're going to get to Cole's questions, and they're generally on the lighter side. So, Cole, take it away, man. Um, so, Steve, with every guest, we do four like rapid-fire kind of questions. Okay. Some of them will have, uh, have absolutely nothing to do with anything we've talked about. Some of them will be right in line. So um, I've got my four if you are ready to go. All right, just a sec. Let me take a deep breath. Um, yeah. Okay. Take a beer break if you need it. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I, w- I was eating some cheese at Grooves earlier today. That's like one Love of my it. favorite snacks. Love them. I don't know if you're a wavy chip fan, but what do you think makes wavy chips so good? And I even throw the wavy cheese at Grooves in there. Yeah, you know, I think it's because the the Grooves capture the deliciousness of the of the flavoring. I mean, you know. Whatever cancer-causing materials they may or may not put in there, <laughs> the, the, and, and the grooves are also like grips. Think about your shoes, Cole. Like, yeah. you know what? If you if you're like a, I, I did a lot of quick service restaurant, also known as fast food restaurant thing. And if you don't have the right shoes, you're going to fall on your ass. But grooves allow you to, you know, a, allow to gather that that uh, those 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 spices in them. So I'm a fan too. I pulled out a box earlier today, so I'm I'm going. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you actually mentioned the, the next question I had. And so technology, right? And, and literally when I was thinking of this question, I was thinking of TikTok. So it's hilarious to me to hear that you have a TikTok. I am getting to an age, especially with the emergence of like TikTok and, and kind of new things that people younger than me, which is really weird to say being a 23-year-old, are into and like making popular and getting famous off of. So for someone, for, for the oldest State Street guest we've had on to date, is technology like worth keeping up with? Yes, if it enhances your life. If it, if it somehow, like TikTok makes me laugh my ass off every freaking time. <laughs> I, I set a timer, so I only watched some, I had to delete it for like nine months because I found myself <laughs> four or five hours into it listening to cats talk. <laughs> yeah, my dad he's a stupid fuck you know and i find that funny i find that junior high kind of thing funny but uh like katie the katie the coupon lady she's awesome uh penny the dog is awesome uh there's 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 quite a few there's a woman that runs a crane and she does you know tiktok videos from her crane you know hundreds of feet above i mean it's you know I don't know. I think it's a, it's 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 you know i think it's got to fit you and tiktok i love because who would have thought of some of this shit, right? right? Who would have thought, and you're like looking at this or you're looking at the people that do art or do, do creative stuff. And it just, for me, that's, it feeds my soul. So if it feeds your soul, do it. Twitter's where souls go to die. Facebook is shit. <laughs> Except for groups. I, I, I totally approve of Facebook groups, by the way, because now you're talking to your peers and your friends and that kind of stuff, your relatives, you know, and I, 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 I got Snapchat as well. Um, but remember, I've got a, a technology background, which doesn't necessarily equate to enjoying it. But, you know, to me, I just I like to know what's going on and what's trending. And in the workplace, I've got to be able to work uh, uh, with Gen Z, uh, Gen X. Oh, I'm Gen X. Millennials. And uh, we still have boomers and the occasional traditionalists out there. And Alpha is like 11, 10 or 11 years right now. So six more years, seven more years from now, I can be working with Generation Alpha, right? Wow. And so, so, so kind of understanding where people come from, again, being seen and being heard, 
people always crack up when they say, yeah, you know, I've only done like five or six videos, but it's me and Mr. Kobe, you know, my dog. And <laughs> I think we got like seven or eight followers or something, but it wasn't about that. It was about like, this is really cool. And I want to test it. I like testing things. So sorry, that was a really long ass answer. No, that was a great, great answer. I don't care if it's long winded or if it's one word, that's a great answer. That was a great response. Um, the next one I had, if I was to teleport back to you being in high school, yeah. explain like paint a picture for me of what you were like in high school because you're an intense you're high energy guy oh, and we love having you on you want to open up this never had a, never had a freaking date in high school i don't know. <laughs> i did i went to prom maybe and uh, i worked my ass off i mean I, I was working you know probably 20 30 40 hours a week early on i never went to a foot i played football till when i was up until i was a sophomore and then i decided like Food and other things were in a car were more important. Um, but I, I, I felt like I got to hang out with every clique in school. And so, you know, I got to hang out with the Dungeons and Dragons dude, which I still don't understand that game, but I think it's cool. Um, and I got to hang out with people that, you know, it was a small town. We had 90, 98, 99 folk, folk, or kids in our class and stuff like that. But we still keep in touch. I mean, we got a Facebook group. Like I said, the only thing Facebook is good for is the group's part of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I can still reach out to my classmates if, even if I haven't talked to them in eight or nine years and, and have a conversation. Cool. The last one is, is a little more serious just because I, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. So I wanted to end it on this note. What is the best advice you have ever received? You have given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure everyone that listens to this is going to take something away. They should, because you've given a lot of good advice, but what is the best advice you have ever gotten? Ooh. Ask for feedback ask for feedback um you don't have to do it every day you'll irritate your leader your boss whatever you want to call. <laughs> but i had um i was never surprised when it came time for you know for reviews or merit increases you know salary increase increases or whatever i was i was really never never surprised um the last time i asked for feedback from my team members was about three three and a half weeks ago um and one of them said can't give you feedback because I haven't been working, but if you can support these aspects of what we want to do as a business, because I know you can, then that's great. Somebody else said you work too much and you need to give yourself some time off. And that was that was great feedback as well. So, you know, I um and, and there's two. So so feedback is one, but being okay to learn, which means you gotta fail. You have to set yourself up to take risks. I'm not talking about life-threatening risks. Don't do that kind of stuff. That's stupid here. But set yourself up to take risks in your career um, and your relationships, right? If a relationship isn't going well and you're not getting something out of it that maybe you thought you were getting, and this is, I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about like friends. I had a, I had a relationship with a, with a, with a guy for, for decades, three decades, four, de four decades. And he got pissed off at me and hung up. And I was like, all right, I guess I don't need you in my life. You know what I mean? And, 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 and I'm kind of sad about it. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? That probably, maybe that wasn't healthy. Maybe I need to like hang out with people that, that don't necessarily think like me, don't, you know, that, that are going to be able to handle like intense conversations. That's what that came down. We had a, not even an intense conversation, but they thought it was intense and they just couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? 
So, so those two things. I mean, you got you got to be you got to be willing to take risks and fail, and you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and say, "Hey, how can I make your life better? You know, what can I do differently? Um, you know, what do you like about what I do that I can do even more? Right? Feedback doesn't have to be just about the negatives. It can be about a strength. What strengths do you see that I have that I could really leverage more in this role? You know, because everybody thinks, oh, I've got to cover up all my all the things that I'm bad at. Bullshit. You don't have enough money in the world to fix the stuff that you've been really horrible at since kindergarten. You do not have the time or the money. You're going to have blind spots. Bring people in around you, your friends, your coworkers, and say, hey, I need you to help me cover on this spot. I'm not really good at this, and you're really amazing. So, you know, match those superpowers. I don't want to say too much to spoil all that. So all I'm going to say, Steve, is thank you so much for coming on. We are very, very, the three of us are very, very lucky um, to have, that, that we're, we're very lucky that you took time out of your busy schedule because I know you are busy. You've, you've told us how busy you are, um, but you took to come and talk to us, you know, three 20-something kids. And, and obviously, I think, Nick, it goes without saying, you're very lucky to have this man as, as your godfather. Um, he's going to lead right. you in the right direction. and and um your your resume speaks for itself nick obviously and and i'm sure that's something steve's very proud of but steve seriously like thank you so much because this is a this is a favor to us you have done us a huge huge favor no man this this is uh, i like you guys every, every day i look back at my day and say what's the what's the best thing that happened today and i thought my conversation with christian was like going to be the most amazing but I think this is like this is like neck and neck with Christian's development. Let's so go. really, honestly, it's it, I appreciate it because like just inviting me on and allowing me to share my thoughts. And again, you know, um, people have to people have to come up with their own beliefs. But I, I just had a blast, man. I thought this was pretty awesome. Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and, and say your thanks, plug social, and then Nick have Nick wrap us up. Yeah, man. I I thought this was one of the most insightful episodes we could have had. Like we don't, we're, we're 20 something year old kids who bring on 20 something year old kids. Like we don't get the, the wealth of knowledge and information that, that comes along every once in a while where like, this was super insightful, super educational. And I, I took a lot from it. Like I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm trying to ask questions, but I also like, I want to hear everything that's being said. Right. So like, I don't want to like, take one thing and be like, all right, I have to ask a question on this because there's like eight different other things I also want to take in as well. And like, that's something that I thought was super cool about the interview guys. But, um, if you guys want to follow us on any social media, go ahead and hit us up on Instagram. It is state street pod. Twitter is at state street pod and Facebook is state street podcast. Well, Steve, what an honor it was, man. And I, uh, I'm so glad we could make it happen. And again, with the schedules and everything, it was well worth our time and our listeners time too. And, um, we should uh we should do this more often. <laughs> oh you, guys, you guys are a blast. Don't and you know what? It's awesome. Enjoy your twenties, man. Enjoy it. Don't discount the twenties. I mean, it's 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 what you guys are doing is awesome. Uh, you know, I wish you the best, and uh, you know, keep on doing shit that makes you uncomfortable. That's all I can say. You know, and when you get comfortable, go after Elon Musk, right? Go mm. after, go after Warren Buffett. I mean, I love that man, but he's, you know, he's in his, is he 90 now? I think he maybe just had a birthday. He's 89 or 90. You exactly. know, so we have to treasure like those, you know, those folks and stuff. So I love what you guys are doing. Go kick ass and, and have fun. Very good. Thank you so much for that compliment. We do appreciate it. But uh, hopefully uh, you guys got something from this, but till next time, State Street Gang.